Stay tuned for a word from the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach continues his teaching series on Advent. Today is part two. Well, this morning is the second Sunday in Advent, and we are continuing our study on what Advent is all about. And uh, this is the season in which we remember the coming of Jesus Christ, that he's going to come again to judge the living and the dead, and we prepare for his first coming. And last week, if you were here, we basically, the title of the sermon was Jesus is Coming, and we reminded ourselves that we need to keep watch, we need to keep ready, and keep serving while we wait. Well, this morning, I want to follow up on that and continue with the text that we just heard. So please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 3. Now, the text begins in those days. In in what days? Well, that was a common literary device to make a transition. And in this case, Matthew's transitioning between the miraculous birth of Jesus, his escape from King Herod, and then after King Herod dies, he goes back to Nazareth, which was Mary's hometown, to be raised. And so it's in this transition that we, from chapters 1 and 2, it says, now, in those days... John, the Baptist came. Now, I find it interesting that we spend a lot of time, and at Christmas we'll hear about this, the miraculous birth of Jesus, but we don't think much about the miraculous birth of John. Now, John, if you remember, was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah was a priest, and he was on a rotation where every so often he would go up to the temple from the town in which he lived. He'd go up to Jerusalem, and he would serve in the temple. And so he goes in on his regular time, and what he would do, he would go in and offer, his job was to put incense on the the fire to offer incense unto the Lord, representing the prayers of the people. And so he's going to do that, and standing next to the censer is an angel, and it scares him to death. And the angel says to Zechariah, this is in Luke 1, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Well, what prayer? Well, we find out a little later that Elizabeth's really old, and she was so old, she was too old to have kids, and she hadn't had any kids, and she felt bad about that, and they were praying to have kids. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his birth. Or the literal of that is even while in his mother's womb. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the angel speaks that to him. Now you would think if an angel just spoke to you and you know, you you would say, all right, okay, great. Well, of course he questions it. He doubts it. And so the angel says, because you doubted this, I'm going to seal your lips. And so he comes out and he can't talk. But Elizabeth gets pregnant. And she ends up having the baby. And when the baby's born, they go to the temple on the eighth day to circumcise the child, which is the tradition. And they say, what are you going to name him? And Elizabeth says, we're going to call him John. 
And everybody's shocked. You're not going to call him Zechariah. So they go to Zechariah and he asks for a tablet and he writes on the tablet, his name is John. And at that moment, he could talk again. He talked about all these miracles. But not only could he talk, we're told he was filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. And when he was filled, he began to prophesy. And we have this, this song in the scripture in, at the end of Luke chapter 1 that's called the Song of Zechariah. And I'm not going to read it all to us, but I just want you to hear a few of the phrases. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. The end of Luke chapter 1, we're told that John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly in Israel. And that's where we are in chapter 3 of Matthew now. He shows up. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, or it's known as the Judean wilderness. It's on the eastern side of Jerusalem. So he came preaching. Well, what did he preach? The next verse. And saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. His message was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, what does repentance mean? This is one of these religious words we kind of throw out, and we don't really know what it means. You're supposed to repent. Well, what, what, what does that mean? It was from a Greek word, metanoia, which literally means to turn or to change, to change one's mind, to change one's will. And the picture that's given to me out of the Greek language is, is this. You're going this way, and to repent, you do a 180, and you go the opposite direction. That's what repent means. So for a person to repent, meaning in the, in the ways of the Lord, you're, you're going along, you're doing your own thing, you're living life for me, myself, and I, you're serving me, 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 me. That's the whole focus of life, me and money. And to repent, you turn and you begin to do God's will. You live for him, you, you become his servant, you begin to obey him, you begin to do what he asks you to do. That's repent. John MacArthur writes it this way. He says, it does not just denote any change, But always a change from wrong to right, away from sin to righteousness. So it's not just changing, it's changing from doing what's evil to doing what's good, from being out of God's will to being in God's will. John Broadus writes this, he says, Whenever this Greek word is used in the New Testament, the reference is to changing the mind and the purpose from sin to holiness. Repentance involves sorrow and remorse for one's sin. Yeah, you feel bad about it, but it moves you to action. It's one thing to feel sorry and to want to change. It's another for that remorse to affect your will so that you can change your behavior. That's repentance. And this is still true today for any unbeliever, but also for the believer. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. This past week, I don't know why um, it happened to be this week, but for twice this week, somebody came up to me and got, we got in a discussion, and, and the phrase came up either somebody they knew or they didn't believe. They said, you know, tithing is not in the New Testament. I said, what do you mean it's not in the New Testament? So I showed where it was, and, and they went on to say, well, but we are now under grace. We're not to live under the law of the Old Testament. And I took them to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, He came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. 
And that under grace, it's not that the law no longer exists or is important to us. Actually, under grace, we're taking it to a higher level. Because what did he say in the Sermon on the Mount after he said that? You've heard it said you shouldn't murder. But I say to you, if you're harboring anger and hatred in your heart, you're, mur- you're committing murder. And then he goes, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery. That means have sex with someone that you're not married to. You shouldn't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look on a woman to lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. You see how he's taking it to a, to a new level? You've heard it said you should hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. And so what I said to these people about the tithing thing, God just isn't interested in the 10% that we're supposed to give. It's all his. It's all his. It's not just part of it. And so, yes, I give my 10%, but then I'm praying about how I'm using the rest of it. Lord, how do you want me to use this for this and this? Because it's all his. We say the saying sometimes, all things come from thee, O Lord, and from thine own have we given. See, grace takes us to a higher standard. And it's for our good. And so some of us need to repent because we get locked into our legalistic, narrow-minded way of thinking and we leave God out of the equation. And sometimes God wants to just break through all of that and get us to change, to turn. It's called repentance, to change your mind. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about the renewing of our mind so that our lives can be transformed Unless the mind changes, your actions are not going to change. And that's where repentance starts. Now, repentance, I like to describe, it's like entering a door into another world. Uh, Some of you have seen the movie or or read the books, The Chronicles of Narnia, and uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, they go through the wardrobe, and when they go through the wardrobe, it's a whole other world. Well, that's what happens when we repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. When you repent, then you enter into the kingdom of heaven, either for the first time or maybe in a new way, and everything is transformed. Everything is changed. The way you view things, the way you see things, the way you understand things, it's transformed. It's different. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So John's going around, and he's preaching this. Verse 3. This is he, talking about John, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. That would have been 600 years before Isaiah saying this. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So he fulfills this prophecy, but I don't know if you noticed, but he's also fulfilled the prophecy of the angel Gabriel that he gave to Zechariah announcing his birth. Listen to the prophecy again. This happened about 31, 32 years before. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he fulfills that prophecy. Then he fulfilled the prophecy that was given to Zechariah when he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was born. Listen to these words. And you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. So here it's 30 years later, and John becomes a public figure, preaching and calling people to repent. 
stirring up the ground, getting things ready for when the Messiah comes. Verse 4, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. Now, Alec, uh, tomorrow morning when you go to school, I want you to dress up in camel's hair, okay? And wear a belt around your waist. Uh, he dressed pretty odd, didn't he? It was kind of, even for those days, it was, it was kind of odd. He ate weird, too. I mean, locusts, honey's okay, but locusts? You think of roaches when you think of locusts, right? Yeah, just, yeah, just, anyway. Verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. He was becoming quite the rock star. People were coming from Jerusalem. I mean, that was not an easy trick. And then all the Judean wilderness, and then it talks about all around the Jordan River Basin, people were coming out to hear. And when they were hearing, they were convicted and they confessed their sins and they would get baptized. Verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing... John said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the current religious leaders of the Jews in that day. But they were so into their religion that they left God out. They were so concerned about themselves and their own spirituality that they neglected to actually live out the compassion of the law. It was, you got to do this, 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 but there was no compassion. The heart of God was not expressed. Many were devout, but they had a religious snobbery, which not only excluded the poor and social outcasts, but blinded them to their own hypocrisy. The scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. You brood of vipers, he says to them. Well, that comment still carries through in our culture. I mean, what do you think when you hear somebody called a snake? That's what he's saying. You brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now, it's not that he doesn't want them also to repent. But John doesn't want them to to do it for show. Or so that they can add points to their spiritual portfolio. He wants them to come because their heart's broken over their own sinfulness. Verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's not enough to get baptized. It's not enough to repent, to change your mind. One must bear fruit which is in line with repentance. And what's the fruit? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of a holy life, the fruit of obedience to God, the fruit of doing what God wants you to do or not doing what he doesn't want you to do. He goes on to attack their spiritual inheritance. Look at verse 9. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. You see, they thought just because they were descendants of Abraham, they were Jewish that they had it made. It didn't matter about their lifestyle. It didn't matter what they said about people. It didn't matter how they treated people or how they left people out. 
Some of us still practice this today. Oh, I've been baptized. Or I've walked the aisle. Or I've joined the church. Or, or my parents were good Christians. By the way, God doesn't have grandchildren. Only children. Bear fruit that begets your repentance. We must bear fruit. Then he goes on, verse 10. The axe is already at the foot of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. At the completion of the harvest, a farmer would go through his orchard and look for trees that didn't bear any fruit. And when he found them, he cut them down because he didn't want their roots to take the nutrients out of the soil for the, that would deprive the good trees. And then what he'd do, he'd pile it all up. We've seen people do this. they pile it all up and they burn it. Jesus said a similar thing about the vineyard. In John 15, 6, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch which is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of God at the end of the age. Not only did this apply to the spiritual and religious leaders of Israel, and they were cut down by the Romans a few years later, but this applies to all who live without God and without the law. It applies to us as well, as believers in Jesus Christ. John doesn't stop there. He then speaks about the coming of the Messiah. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John is saying here, I, I'm baptizing you with water. You, you come to repent of your sins, and I'm baptizing you in water. But when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the Holy Spirit? God. Right? God. He's going to baptize you, not just in water, but with God, with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the word baptize mean? It means to immerse, to saturate. The Greeks would use the same word, talking about a ship sinking. You can imagine a ship going down and the water just coming in. and all. That's what he's talking about, that the Messiah will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And fire represents the coming of God's judgment. His judgment on our sins, sometimes it's referred to as a cleansing purification, but also it's referring to the coming judgment. Verse 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What's a winnowing fork? You've all seen like a pitchfork kind of deal. Well, what they would do when they bring in the harvest, they would basically uh, make, make, sometimes this was in people's barns or usually it was in the side of a hill, they'd make kind of a shallow little bowl. And they'd throw the wheat there and either they'd step on it or they'd have the cattle walk over it and it'd knock all the wheat off. And then they'd get all the stubble and, and the chaff. If the wind didn't blow it away, they would, they would put it in a pile over here and the rest of the stuff they would put in the barn to save, to use. Because it was useful. But what happened to all the other stuff? It was burnt. And that's what he's saying here. It will be burnt. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So here in John's description of the coming Messiah of Jesus, we're told of the coming judgment at the end of the world, or at the end of the age, I should say, this coming judgment and punishment by fire. Now I know most of us are in, in or close to getting in the Christmas spirit, and, and, and Advent just doesn't make sense. Here you are talking about hell and fire and all this stuff, and we want to be singing Christmas carols, and, and Right? Some of us need to repent. Some of us need to get right with the Lord. See, this isn't just for the unbeliever. The believer can live, and you can follow the Lord, and then the Lord asks you to do something, and you say, oh, no, 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 Lord, I'm not doing that. And next thing you know, you're just doing your own thing. Or the Lord will ask you not to do something, and you continue to do it. And so we get stuck there. And our spiritual life just goes... Because we quench the Holy Spirit when we do that. And so some of us need to repent. You know that the Lord has asked you to do something and and you've refused. It might be something to serve him. It might be something you're supposed to say to somebody. It might be something you're supposed to give to somebody. It might be something you're supposed to do for somebody you don't even know or maybe you do know them. But you've just said, no, Lord. And then some of you, you've been told you're not to do some things. And you keep doing them. You need to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you will repent, if you will change your mind and turn and follow him, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You will know a fuller measure of the kingdom of God and what it's about. But if you continue to refuse or continue to resist, God is going to become further and further distant. The intimacy you had with him is going to just get squished down, squished down, squished down. Before long, God's a fairy tale. Some, you know, he's way up in the clouds somewhere, has nothing to do with my life. But if you'll repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so this morning, I want to just give you a few minutes of quiet. In this minute of quiet, if there's something you need to repent of, I want to ask you to ask God to help you with that. Because it's one thing to change your mind and to, and to get all emotionally roused right and say, okay, I'm going to do what I need to do, but you've got to go out there and do it. And so ask God to help you do that. God loves you. He loves me. He loves us so much that he calls us to repentance. If he didn't love us, he'd let us go to doom. But he doesn't want us to go to doom. He wants us to repent and discover the fullness of the kingdom of God. So repent the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. 
You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.